if it's not perfect and the best, you know, whatever, it's like, well, then I might as well have not even done it. Welcome to Ladies First with Laura Brown. I'm Laura Brown, editor-in-chief of InStar Magazine, and each week I'm talking to a legendary lady about what she does, how she does it, and what we can learn from her. Zendaya is a gorgeous and glorious force of nature. She's also our November best-dressed issue cover star. Yeah, I want to talk to you about command and presentation as to start off with, because you're very good at it. But firstly, Zendaya, welcome to Ladies First, where we feature ladies such as yourself, ladies with an IES, ladies with an EEZ, whatever you're into, who are first in what they do. And you, Milady, are also starring on our November cover. A best dressed issue, even though <laughs> I would have you on any cover or a calendar or an advent calendar, just happens to be. Uh, the best dress issue because you do actually know how to dress, oddly enough. Thank you. I've known you a little while now and we've done, I think, three covers together. And um, you, you were one of the first people who kindly showed up when I started at InStyle. <laughs> I was like, thanks. And um, we stuck you in a jumpsuit and stuck you on a roof. And uh, I mean, you had a say in it. We didn't just pick you up. <laughs> no, it was, a, it, was a, it was a collaboration as always. That's what I love about doing covers with you is you're always so open to ideas and collaboration and it's always just fun. And yeah, I always have a great time when you're on set. So I love, I love doing shoots with you. Look, you've been doing this for a while and you have been acting and you've been starring in things, but What's striking me of, of late, and it was particularly on this set, is an extremely refined visual sense you have. Thank you. And how you are very quick to go, okay, no, I see this picture this way. And it's not in an indulgent way. So tell me how you, or what I can sort of get into this, like how you started to develop that visual, like presentational confidence. Well, I, I definitely give a lot of credit to Euphoria because I think as an actress, I've always been interested in things behind the camera, but I think it really grew my love for cinematography with Euphoria. I mean, watching Marcel Rev, who I think is incredibly talented and masterful at what he does, watching him do his work and light things and make every frame gorgeous. He and Sam just have this understanding, this language and being able to sit there and watch them every day work together and create these beautiful shots and these intricate shots and put so much love and care and detail into everything. Sometimes it drives me crazy and the rest of the crew <laughs> yeah. crazy because you it have less to be care, perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, it's like they'll cancel a, a day of shooting if the colors in the set aren't right. But <laughs> that just kind of watching them on a more technical level do what they do really inspired me more to want to get into photography, which my grandfather, he was a lawyer, but he did photography on the side. And I know it was a huge passion of his. I guess I always wanted to experiment more with that. And I think that, again, credit to Euphoria and stuff like that, you know, just learning from that experience and getting a little bit more hands-on or first-hand, whatever, just on how it actually works, you know? Yeah, but you have you just have a great instinct. And we were doing one shot and you were like, no, and you just, <laughs> it's great, wandered off in this giant Valentino Couture dress. <laughs> so now I've got a better idea. <laughs> up with the skirts. <laughs> and up to the, the top of the stairs with this light, which happened to be falling, and it, because it's, the sun was going down, the light was falling a particular way. And I was like, ah, oh, shit, look at that. She's right. And then when all of this happens with your team and with your instincts, we come up with images such as this. I love that. I love that. I'm glad you chose that mm. one. It's so, that one it's is so a cover. cool. That is a cover, baby That's girl. That's a cover. You're quite 
quite a low-key person. And when you go onto these carpets, you amp it up really hard and it's very considered. So is that in some ways so you can go, thank you, world, I've had my moment, I'm going to go home now? I kind of look at red carpets similarly to like, I don't know, I, I think of them as like, they have like their own characters and narratives and we build like a little story for all the looks, you know, I just feel like it's an extension of my acting career in a weird way, you know, because, you know, you pop this wig on or you, whatever it is, I feel like, you know, clothes sometimes are very emotional, right? So it's kind of like, I just feel like I get to embody these different facets of my, maybe they're myself or maybe they're alter egos or whatever, but I get to be these different women through clothes, which is always really, really fun. And then sometimes a breeze just comes up at the right time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who did you hire? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because Law made a joke on his Instagram about how he was there with a and people actually thought that like Law came there with a fan and was like with a leaf blower, wasn't blowing it? Blowing my blower? dress. It it was actually just the wind. But look, I mean, what would you tell this girl on the red carpet? I don't know. I just think continue to just keep doing what you're doing, honestly, because at that point, I, I was probably like 14 in that picture. And I think that was like my first red carpet, really. Baby's first. Yeah, I got invited to like a movie premiere and I'd never been to one before. And my outfit was just a bunch of stuff that I had from Target and stuff. I thought I was fly. I felt cool. I felt good. Still to this day, that's really all that matters. You know, if I step out and I feel confident, I feel good, then you're doing the right thing, you know? Because you go from that to this. Yeah, exactly. If you just, just keep doing your thing, you know? And I like how on your Instagram, you've put three pictures up of it and then you've just disappeared since July. It's so chic. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Posting, I'm not, I'm, my, my fans probably, they hate it and I understand, but I'm just, I keep my head down. I just do my job. I work hard and then let the stuff come out as it does. And sometimes I get too overwhelmed with having to post things and think about it. And if I think too much about it, I'm just like, I'm not going to do it. It's, it, I don't, it's not worth thinking that much about it. I'd rather just kind of do my job, do what I love. And I think it's the most gratifying thing to not just be like, here I am in my bikini on my dream vacation that's every day of my life. You know, it's to put work out and go, I made a thing. And here's the thing I made. And the stuff that comes out is auxiliary to the thing I made. But I also think with a following like yours, 100 something million people, that would make your brain bleed if you thought about that too much yeah exactly yeah and I mean I mean I live a life I live a normal life and my life just belongs to me and then I do other things that are work that belong to my fans that I you know I I'm so grateful for them and their support and their love and and I feel like most of them kind of understand that I'm that way you know I like to just go silent, do my work, and then a whole bunch of stuff will come out, and then I go silent again. <laughs> Did you say once that you, you had to like calm yourself or be chill that you would try and watch a Harry Potter movie every day? Yeah, I used to. I haven't watched it as much this past year, but I used to watch them like the first season of Euphoria to get through it. I mean, some days I'd just be like, I just want to go home, cuddle up with my dog who's right at my feet right now, and just you know watch a Harry Potter movie. My fans know I love Shrek, so Shrek is another staple in my household. Throw that on. Sometimes you need that, you know, it's, I have heavy days at work. <laughs> yeah, you do have heavy days at work. Speaking of heavy days, how are you, how are you netting out, kiddo? We're now seeing the light a little bit. Do you find, I think a lot of people feel a bit of a 
almost a psychological jet lag or something coming out of it? Like, how do you characterize it? You've been, you've been smart because you've worked, but still, how do you, how have you kind of carried it? For me, I feel it's very difficult to complain about this time, considering how grateful and lucky I have been able to get through it. I have absolutely nothing to complain for. I I was healthy. I knew that I had a job waiting for me when I got out, which a lot of people, that wasn't the case. As much as, you know, I had my rough moments. It wasn't easy. I had, you know, some tough moments and I was figuring my shit out and trying to understand who I was without my job and finding purpose and meaning. But I think in the greater scheme of the world, I can't complain. So it was always about perspective. But it is interesting. But to your point, when we do go and do something most days, or you do go and make something or film something, and that's just gone, you know, you do have to sort of go, am I redefining myself? Am I just kind of have to calm myself down? Especially in our sort of businesses, they're very clear that they feed and they take and they're very kind of visceral. You know, did you take, did that take you a minute to be like, okay, what do I, what do I do if I'm not doing a thing? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've never not worked consistently since I was 13 years old. But before I worked, I went to school like a regular kid. So I was like, I'm, I'm doing something every day. So when I just had free time, I was like, what do I do with this? What am I into? What are my hobbies? I don't even have hobbies. You know, I do my hobby for a living. Hey, weren't you starting playing piano or something? Did yeah. That, that stick? <laughs> I, bu- I bought a piano. Um, nice. I still Does have it. Good? it. Yeah, it's beautiful. Everybody plays it who comes over to my house, which is nice. I'm like a YouTube trained (laughs) so I really don't know much of anything but I do sit there and I you know I'll look up a song that I really like and I'll try to like follow along and learn it via YouTube video so that's the (laughs) that's the extent of my piano capabilities but I got more into art I started drawing more and painting more would you characterize yourself as good I think I'm pretty good what's your favorite thing you made or you drew or you painted I painted this, I guess it was like a female figure or whatever. And it was one of my first times trying oil paint. Before I was just using paper and like acrylic paint. And Hunter, uh, who is obviously, she's one of the most special people in my life, but she went to art school. She's a phenomenal artist. She took me to the art store and got me the proper tools for oil paints and the correct primary colors and all the things I would need to do it the right way. So every now and then I'll kind of whip out my little kit and do a little something. And she also inspired me to have a sketchbook so that I can do things more often. It's also nice to with with Euphoria that you guys have got, you know, such a, such a real, real friends, you know what I mean? And it's not just like cast friends, like Storm. Like whenever I talk to Storm, I'm always like, every single time your name comes up, Storm Reid. Oh my God, my sister, you know what I mean? But it's not like PR. I love Storm. I think she's so special, so incredible. She's so talented. Like every time I'm on set with her, it drives me crazy because I'm just like, how are you doing this? She's able to just access emotion like that. And here I am. It takes me hours. Sometimes I don't even get it right. And she's just like, boom, she's there. She's in it. And I'm just like, yo, you are on another level. She's a beast. So I'm so proud of her. Tell me, how do you access that? If you've got a traumatic scene, do you carry it with you beforehand? Because that can't be, right? Beforehand, I have to try to think about it as little as possible. Because I will psych myself out. I get too anxious and I start judging myself. I can't overanalyze the scene that I need to do before I get to it because I just know that I'm going to eventually just block myself 
because I'm just judging. I'm like, you're not doing this right. You're doing, you need to do, you need to like, there's such a high expectation that I end up just not being able to give anything at all. Like a mute. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Just nothing comes out. So for me, the best way is to try to forget that it's happening. Think about it and prep for like way earlier and then forget about it for a little while. And then it happens like, okay, today's the day we're doing it. And then you just jump right into the deep end. Can you shake it off? Can you shake it off easily or not? It's a case by case thing because you sometimes you use it, right? Like you use whatever things you're going through in therapy. I let that be kind of like a catalyst or an outlet for my own personal feelings or things that I'm going through. And a lot of times, especially with Rue, I feel like I have such a deep love and care for her. So when she's going through something, it makes me really sad. It's like, I don't want her to go through this. Like it's like my little sister or whatever. It breaks my heart that she's going through these things. She represents so many people that I care about. So I think that kind of combination. And then some days it's like your body doesn't know that this situation isn't real. So your body is like, I'm sad, <laughs> you know, like I'm going through it right now. You know, your, your body is yeah, yeah, yeah. absorbing all of those things. So sometimes it takes a little bit for your body to come back to normal. Right, right, right. So you're, hang on, you're 25 in a minute, 25 in September. And tell me, how does 25 feel? How does almost 25 feel? Uh, it feels good. 24 has been nice. I enjoy 24. I'm ready for 25. It's a little scary. Like 25 means you're midway through your 20s, you know? Yes, you are, friend. Mathematically. Which is a little a little weird, you know? I feel like I just started my 20s, so that's a little strange to kind of wrap my head around, which means I'm closer to 30 than I am to 19, which is a little weird. You're in decline, basically. <laughs> it's all down here from there. What do you feel like at almost 25? What do you feel in command of and more confident in? And what do you feel less so still? I think I'm kind of still learning all of that. You know, I think one thing that we all have to understand about ourselves is we're kind of in a constant state of metamorphosis and growth where we never got it figured out. Oh, you haven't? Nobody has it figured out. Nobody knows what they're doing. We're all human beings trying to figure it out as we go and grow. You're never too late to grow and to to learn more and to develop new skills and start a new chapter in your life. There's so many things that I hope to do in my future and that may have nothing to do with what I'm doing now. Now it's just learning to be more confident in those instincts that you were kind of talking about, those things that you feel uh, sometimes, you know, you doubt yourself, right? Like any, any, any human being does, but learning to trust your instincts and your creative intuition and, and know that maybe you do know what you're talking about and you are good enough to do it and you are capable of it. You know, when did you sort of have a moment that you were like, I've made it. It could have been dancing with the stars. You know what I mean? I don't think I've ever really felt like that. I've always feel like there's so much I have to do or I have left to do or I have more to do that I don't really ever feel like I've, you know, I've, you know, there's always something else. What was some of you, okay, your first early experiences that left you very wide-eyed then? To be honest, there's moments just in general where you just kind of take a step back and look at what you get to do for a living and you're like, whoa, this is 
fucking cool. I remember like being on Greatest Showman, you know, and like I'm on this trapeze and I'm in this pink wig and there's Hugh Jackman and like this is like what? This is so cool. Like this is my job, <laughs> you know? And you just zoom out and you're like, this is so crazy. I'm upside down right now. Any upside downs lately? Any trapeze? Not not a recent. Not a recent. I've taken a break from trapeze. <laughs> Although I would like to do it again. makes you nervous messing up making a mistake not being the best I can possibly be at something failure like I guess that again that's like that Virgo thing but like if it's not perfect and the best you know whatever it's like well then I might as well have not even done it then it's deeply disappointing to me you know how do you manage that though yeah how do you manage something that comes out if it's I don't know, a role or show or a movie might be edited the way that you don't love or whatever. If something's kind of fine, how do you reconcile fine or okay? Because it happens. I don't like it. It just makes me really, really motivated to want to get back and do something better. You know, I think that's like my gift and my curse is I don't really allow myself the space to make mistakes or to not even, and here's the thing, they're not even mistakes, right? right? It was fine. And I was like, but it's not fine to me, you know, <laughs> you know. Do you, but do you get worked up? Do you get worked yeah, up or do you have to absolutely. have to reconcile it? Like, and, and getting older, do you, are you able to reconcile that a little more or, or are you more the other way now? Because you have more control now. I think I'm learning and I'm learning also to not let those fears stop me from trying things. You know, I try to remind myself, you're young, like you're going to have to figure things out as you go. And you should try things. And some things will be well received. Some things won't. Some things people will like, some things people, you know, like it's okay, like to be an artist and to explore and all these different things. And then the other part of me is like, no, everything has to be perfect. And I think it's just kind of reminding myself that it's okay to explore and to learn from things just because it doesn't go exactly the way you want it in your brain doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. No, or it's, or it's a failure. That's the being hard on yourself thing. When I'm on set, my biggest thing, and Sam knows it, and he can tell that I'm being hard on myself, and he'd be like, stop being hard on yourself. You've got this. You're fine. It's a big life you've got here, Mrs. You've managed to coalesce your own celebrity, your great success, your Emmy Award, with all these big moves. It's... It's a lot, you know, and I am always fascinated by the women I know who are very famous and how you live inside and outside of yourself. Or do you have to take the scale of what you're doing and make it smaller to be able to manage it? It's interesting. Our profession, there's no real blueprint for how it works, right? There's no like, you know, when you have more of a corporate structure, there's promotions and there's, you know, there, there's kind of like more of a structure to how you move up in the ranks or progress in your career. But I think in this avenue, it's kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm figuring out as I go, you know, there's also, which I, you know, I urge a lot of people to understand about this business is it also is a business, right? It's the entertainment industry. It's the entertainment 
business, it's important to remember that there are there's money and there's contracts, and there's all these things involved. And I try to be as prepared and understand as much as I can about that too. Yeah. How adept are you at that? I'm, I'm editor a magazine and I will look at an Excel spreadsheet and think I'm going to have a mini stroke. You know what I mean? So, but how adept are you with that sort of stuff? How interested are you in that? Like how uh, invested in your ownership of what you make are you? I'm very interested in it personally. I find the business so fascinating and important. Before, when I was younger, my parents would have to make me read the contracts and all these things. But as an adult, having been through ups and downs with different things, working out or not working out, I got into like wanting to read my own contracts and wanting to look at the fine print, make notes on it and talk to your lawyers and ask questions. And so that became something that was really important and almost fun to do. Was there something that happened that was, yeah, you didn't get what you needed or wanted or you weren't happy with that you specifically learned from and you were like, okay, I'm not done. that's happening again? Yeah, there's a bunch of things. <laughs> a bunch of things that either I wanted to work that didn't work or things that other people wanted for me that didn't work. And I think that's a huge thing that you have to understand is uh, if it doesn't feel right for you all the way, then it's really not worth it. Because if something happens with a project or with a business venture or whatever, and you fully believe in it, and it's something that feels good to your heart and feels good to your spirit, and it doesn't pan out the way you want it to, you could say, well, at least I did it on my own. Like, at least I tried. At least it was my heart that I put, you know, there's something to that, right? But if you do something for other people or to appease other people or because you've been talked into it by other people, whatever the case may be, it makes the devastation, if it doesn't work out, that much more devastating. I, I believe in really doing things for your heart. And I think that if things are meant to, to be, they will be, right? If it's meant to work out, it will work out. And if it doesn't, you will soon find out why it shouldn't have worked out. What sort of boss are you? Because you have a team. I think my biggest flaw as a boss is I am a big procrastinator, right? I don't like to answer emails or questions and all those kinds of things. I I just want to do the fun stuff. I want to do the artsy stuff. I want to do the the cool stuff. But I'm also very detail-oriented and won't let anything go. So those two things don't really go hand in hand. So I'm learning how to be better at that. <laughs> so Dar- Darnell is your boss, basically? Yeah. He's like, we need this. And you need to now. sit down and give me some answers. And I'm like, yes, Darnell. Absolutely. Where's your Emmy? Currently, it is sitting on my piano. Do you polish it? Does someone polish it? <laughs> I, have, I have not polished it. I don't know if you're supposed to. I don't really know the proper etiquette, but it lived with my mom for a long time. When I was in Atlanta, I had my mom take it for me. So I had when to you're get doing Spider-Man. Yeah, you had to, have to it's yours. <laughs> I know. I know, but I felt weird. What, was she sad when you took it back from her? No, she was fine about it. But I just, I, I was like, it was weird to be like, hey mom, can I like get my, can I come pick up Miami back? I don't know. Typical mother-daughter conversation. Mom, can I get in my laundry also? Can I pick up my Emmy? Yeah. <laughs> so you're in Atlanta filming Spider-Man, but one of my team wanted to know about this because this became a meme. 
you and Tom are having some sort of conversation, but you're looking a bit annoyed. It's funny. And he's like just sitting in a random chair in full costume. Oh. Do you have any memory about what was being discussed there? Yes. We were shooting. So in New York, you can't really like block off streets, you know, because it's public space. So it's a little bit difficult to shoot there as with someone who Tom has to be like in the full Spidey suit. So it's not like he can be incognito, you know? It's super subtle, super subtle. Yeah. So it's very clear what we're doing and what we're shooting. (laughs) And again, we're not able to tell people like, sorry, we're shooting here. You can't be here. Like it's, it's very, it's an open space basically. Like it, the paparazzi can be wherever they want. There was actually this one guy that was like, while we were shooting one of the scenes, he was under the camera. That's nimble. So we had to stay focused and stay in it. Between takes, they had us in like a like a, a vitamin shop. It's like kind of our holding area. Again, it wasn't super private. It's glass windows everywhere. And Tom, in order to drink water, he has to take his eyes out, spider eyes out. And then there's like a tube that he sticks through his suit into his mouth. So I don't know if he's mm. drinking water in that picture. No, he's just looking like unimpressed. I'm assuming that either someone on our crew or somebody was looking through the window trying to like scare us or pretend like they were somebody looking, you know, so that was my face. That was the second Spider-Man. Tell me about what you appreciate about Tom as an actor, as a performer and a chap. I appreciate that he really loves being Spider-Man and he really cares. It's a lot of pressure. You take on the role of a superhero wherever you go now. To the little kid who walks by, you know, you are Spider-Man to them. And I think he handles that so well. He is a perfectionist. So I just watched him do like a fight scene all day, exhausting. And then he'd do, you know, he'd do a move and do all, you know, and then he'd come back to the monitors and watch it and be like, I can do that better. I can do that better. And then he'll go back out and do it again and then come back like my arm wasn't right. Me, I'd be like, you, dude, you got it. You got it. But he just, he wants it to be perfect. He seems like very easy company. I love that Instagram when Law, Law went on this bender of just randomly calling Oh, yeah. <laughs> I really say something, he's like, not what's up, fucker, but something like that. So, and I was like, it just seems like a laugh. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a fun time. Very, like, very charismatic. Can make anybody feel comfortable and have a good laugh and a good chat. I sound so British. A good chat. Good luck, good chat. Can you can you do a British accent? Can you do it? Ish, ish. What I end up doing is I just end up doing sound bites from Love Island. I'm fine with that. It ends up going very like, all right, love, like he just like mugged me off and like like yeah, babes, like literally, it was so annoying and like so rude. What speaks to you about Love Island? Um, you know, I didn't know about Love Island until. I spent (laughs) five months in London shooting the second Spider-Man. And that's when I was like, what is this? And I was so against it too. I was like, guys, this is ridiculous. Like, come on, you can't watch this every day. And then here I was like sucked in. It was ridiculous, ridiculous. Now I see it everywhere. It's everywhere. It speaks to you. Can you cameo? Just like. Just get like airlifted onto said island. <laughs> I, I'm good. All right. I'm good. I mean, yeah. That is not I'm going to save me. you all. <laughs> I'm going to save you. Speaking of science fiction, 
See how I'm turning this? Dune. It's going to be good, isn't it? I'm very excited about Dune. Are you good in vast quantities of sand? <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> we'll see what the world thinks. But I, I, I had such fun time. I mean, I felt so grateful to be a part of something mm. like this. I think Denny is one of the most extraordinary filmmakers we have. And he's just so consistent and thoughtful about everything. And I, I yeah, I, I loved working with him. I didn't get to work with him very long, but. Ah, you're coming back, aren't you? Didn't he say you were doing it again? You're like the protagonist? Is that for real? I hope so. I guess we're going to have to see how the first one goes, but I'm ready to do a second whenever they call. I'm here. I'm ready. How are the eyes to do, to put in the blue eyes? So they're all CGI blue eyes. Are they all CGI, aren't they? You know what? I'm so old. No, you're not. No, it's fine. I've accepted. You don't have to do any of this anymore. Any, do you just, you just sit around all day, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, now, you are now an Oscar voter, and what I thought was really magnificent on Malcolm and Marie, and you made sure everybody on that crew got paid equitably. But tell me, in terms of in any influence that you're able to have, not just as, a, as an Oscar voter, but as someone in the industry, to improve it. If you could go stand atop it for a minute and change one thing or improve one thing, is this something that, you know, holds your heart? I would love to be able to make films that allow for young up-and-coming artists, writers, filmmakers, especially with Black talent. You know, it's not a lack thereof. It's a lack of opportunity. And so my my dream would be able to give those opportunities, partner different upcoming filmmakers with different writers and mentorships and be able to get them those connections with those, you know, those actors that they want to be able to see in their films and create those special bonds. Right. Get them together on Love Island. Don't you find, and I say the same thing in magazines and journalism, I think it's just so bizarre that it was so hard for so long for Black talent, diverse talent to really get a real foothold. because. Interesting people come in all different shapes and sizes and, and inclinations and everything else. Um, and, and isn't that just being curious? I mean, now I've been able to get to the point where I can re request photographers that I work with. But I mean, before that, I, if I didn't choose them, I never had the opportunity to work with black photographers, which I think is pretty disgraceful. With all this change in the past year, like how... How big of a bullshit radar do you have too? Because there's a lot of people that are disingenuous, you know, and making these changes cosmetically. So how do you, what's your bullshitometer like? I think it's pretty strong. Yeah. Do you call people on and bullshit like right away or do you just clock it and just go, nah, see ya? Yeah, I mean, I think it's case by case, case by case for sure. But you definitely know when there's, you know, using this to benefit and market my thing to look better versus an actual caring change and, and, and willingness to make something different. You can feel it when it's disingenuous, you know. You can feel it and there's a little stench. And you're like, yeah. Hmm, what's that? I don't like that. Okay. A couple more fashion things. What are, give me some red carpet favorite looks you've, you've done. Just some, you know, gut favorites. Joan of Arc is one of my favorites. The pink Tom Ford breastplate was one of my favorites. Super bendy. Could you bend? <laughs> I did. I could. It was actually, it was quite nice. And you were bulletproof. 
And it was just like, nothing, nothing could hurt me, you know? Zendaya mad. The mosquito butterfly dress. I mean, we've done so many looks. You know, when I was like, clocked you, just going, oh, this, this one's interesting. It's when you did that Bowie hair, that like David Bowie look. I know I got, I got dragged at the time. I got dragged for my mullet, but kids love mullets now. Kids love mullets. Yeah, I, I, I've, I'm happy about my David Bowie mullet. If, what fashion celebrity icons closet would you just love to walk into? Share. <laughs> Elaborate. All that custom Bob Mackie that she owns. Like, I want all of that. Hang on. You have to work with Bob Mackie. Have you done that yet? Or are you planning it? Um, I, it's a plan. <laughs> yeah, it's a plan. Um, but you know, share if you ever want to, you know, style me, me and law would love that. Just putting it out there. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's a subtlety that you love about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Understated. Who else do you think has great style? Like I said, I've said this before many times, but I take a lot of style inspiration from like my grandmothers. Wait, hold on. I think I have. Oh, do you have like, a visual aid? I have a visual aid. I have this big thing right here. My grandmother is right there. Oh my her? God, Babatronic. Look at her. But look at the posing. What a legend. This monochromatic, high waisted oh. pant with the matching top. And like she has like a, a, a gold piece on the neck, a little hoop. You know what I mean? Her hair, she has these braids, and then she has this cute little pump on. It's just so cute. And she's got the, like, she's doing the hand on the hip and occasionally the kick of the leg. Will you ever kick a leg in her honor on the, on the, on the carpet? Actually, Absolutely. how did you get your pose going on? Because you're obviously good at it. But do you, did you sort of trial and error? I'm not saying you spend time at home doing it. Yeah, sometimes I do, actually. When I put on an outfit, I'll go look at it in front of a mirror and, like, see what best kind of poses work with the silhouette, right? So some things like, okay, this looks better from this angle or this looks better when I do this or my hands are here or whatever. So I do I do think a little bit about that. Okay, ready? 10 first. This is quick. First drink you order. Well, I don't drink. So normally for me, I just do a virgin mojito. <sighs> Minty fresh. Because yeah. it's a salad. It's like refreshing. It's nice. A yeah. salad, but it's in a glass. And it looks like a drink, so people don't ask you if you want a drink. Oh, yeah. And then if you do, if they ask you, don't judge me. <laughs> okay. First person you call. First person I call. Well, Darnell, if he's not already next to me. Mm. Is he right there right now? <laughs> <laughs> and then probably my mom. And you hang on. You met Darnell on a – he told me this the other day. Where is it again? On a – no, it was your body double or something? It was my stand-in for my Disney show that I did, yeah about history okay first joke if you remember i guess there were knock knock jokes oh yeah go on knock knock who's there move <laughs> like the interrupting cow thing what makes you laugh now what do you find ridiculous my little niece she's five and she got personality man like she'll just call me on facetime she has like a little ipod touch or something you know or ipad or whatever and she'll call me and she's like what's up like going on and then she'll just start laughing hysterically and showing me around the house and then she'll just hang up like when she's done she doesn't even say goodbye she's like okay she's gonna go far she's gonna go far she's the boss of us okay first fashion splurge my first time in paris for my disney show i bought like this little teeny 
Louis Vuitton bag. <gasps> How teeny? It's like it's like this big. Yeah, it's pretty cute. I still have it somewhere. What was your last fashion splurge? Or do you even buy anything anymore? You just wear Valentina Couture around. <laughs> I'll tell you what. The, the coolest thing is like when Pier Paolo comes up with these beautiful silhouettes for me to wear. The special cutest thing they do is they stitch my name into like a little tag on the inside. So all my little my custom Valentino pieces have like a little Zendaya on the inside. It's so cute. You must be archi- starting to archive stuff, right? Like your own net. Yeah. <laughs> one day, one day. This question, first time you owned your shit, like stood up for yourself or said, I'm not going to do that anymore. I think my parents always kind of put it in me at a very young age to just stick up for yourself. If you don't like something, you say it. If you, something makes you uncomfortable, you, you tell somebody. So... I've always kind of had a good handle on that. I would actually get in trouble with my dad, you know, if I didn't do that. You're a shit owner. Yeah, <laughs> I'm definitely a shit owner. Thank you. First date. My first date, I was 16 and I went to see Spider-Man. Shut up. Really? Yeah. You went in this one, were you? No. Or another no, I was. It Which, was, Maguire? Um, Maguire's Spider-Man, Spider-Man. No, it was Garfield and Emma Stone. And did you go, I'll be in that? No, I had no idea that that was coming. Were you paying attention to the date or were you immersed in the Spider-Verse? I loved Spider-Man. And plus I was on like a first date. So I was like, it was like a group date, you know, like there were friends there too. So it wasn't like I was like alone with them, but it was close enough. It's very demographically appropriate. Yeah. (laughs) Well done. Okay. First thing you turn on TV. First thing I turn on TV. I actually need some good recommendations if anybody has any. White Lotus. White Lotus. You need to get on that show. Yeah, I would say right now it's Shrek 2. What speaks to you about 2? Well, I was into Shrek 1 for a while and now I'm switching it up. You've got to keep things fresh with with your local ogre. Okay. (laughs) First thing you do if you're stressed out? First thing I do is call Darnell or my mom again and vent. If I'm stressed about something, I need to talk it through to make sense of it, to hopefully find a reason to unstress myself about the situation. So I call people and talk about it for as long as I can until it's not scary anymore. Or until they're like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever like stress eat or what do you eat if you're kind of feeling yucky? When I feel yucky, I feel like my stomach hurts. So I usually can't eat. If I'm nervous or anxious, I can't eat. But Other than that, I pretty much eat whatever I want. (laughs) What's a Zendaya happy meal? An acai bowl. There's a place over by my house that that I I have like one every day because I love ice cream. I've always loved ice cream, but I feel like my body can't handle it like it used to. Because you're old. Because I'm I'm getting older. And in order to substitute that cold deliciousness, I go for an acai bowl. This is so healthy. So responsible. And you got your salad in a glass. Do you cook? Uh, Okay, listen. Here's the thing. I can cook. I have a great recipe for black bean burgers that I can do off memory. I don't even have to look at any kind of recipe. Look at her. Look at her. I don't cook often. I think I can do anything I apply myself to, (laughs) but I am not a cooker. I just don't have time. And when I do have time, I just don't feel like it. You're a girl (laughs) on the go. Okay, first car you bought. This is very bougie of me, but my first car was a Lexus. I got like a little coupe because my dad told me, you know, don't have a back seat. 
when you get a first car, you shouldn't have other people in your car. Yeah, which I think is actually a good a good thing. Good man, Dad. Good man, Dad. Okay, lastly, first first best day you'll have when sort of globally we have freedom to do all the things again. I just want to travel. Where do you want to go? I would love to go somewhere tropical. Yeah, I just miss being able to go places safely. When you wake up and you're 25 years old, will you be waking up in Venice or waking up on a plane or waking up in Los Angeles? Where will you be? I will be on a plane on my way to Venice. So what will, you, what will be the first thing you do on that plane when the clock ticks over? We'll probably be sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I sleep in planes. I can't stay up. Some people can't sleep in planes. I'm the opposite. As soon as I'm in a plane, like it takes no time. Like I just turn off immediately. <sighs> You little bastard. I'm useless. And I mean that fondly. <laughs> you're a little bastard. That's it, kiddo. Love, you're the best. Thanks for joining me and Zendaya. Come back next week when I catch up with the smartest and sauciest Sarah Paulson. This has been Ladies First with Laura Brown. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us so you don't miss an episode. And we love your feedback. If you could please rate us and leave us a review and make me feel loved, that'd be great. Thanks to our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Sav, Danielle Roth, Anne Ford, Anne Kane, and Andy Bosnett. And thanks to Brian Anstey, Molly Stout, and Haley Mason at InStyle. You can find out more at InStyle.com. Find us on Instagram at InStyle Magazine, on Twitter at InStyle, and you can find me on Insta and Twitter at LauraBrand99. 